Welcome to Childhood Conversations with Kate and Carrie. Welcome back to Conversations with Kate and Carrie. We are so glad to be joined today with Dr. April Willis, and we are going to be talking a little bit about just brand awareness. Uh, The last uh, several months, you've heard us talk about marketing and branding and logos a little bit of everything and how that plays into your business and your child care center. And we are actually really excited because we actually met April through a, a really unique subscription program here in Austin, Texas, but it is actually a program that is available in a lot of major cities across the U.S., uh, several countries, even or several countries, several cities, cities in cities. Uh, Texas should be in several countries. I think maybe other countries should do this. Um, and it's actually called Fem Shoots Photography. And so it's a photography uh, subscription service. So these are, I'm going to go with professional photographers, but you get every photo. So if you've ever had your photo done at a photographer, you probably pay for like five and you get the best of the five, maybe uh, that probably were polished and edited. Um, so you don't get all of the ones with your eyes shut and your hair going wherever and your your <laughs> your fingers doing whatever, right? And so in this case, you get all hundred <laughs> with every expression, hair out of place and whatever, which actually has made for some fun, um, interesting <laughs> photos. So um, that's actually how we met April. And so Carrie, talk a little bit about why, how we ended up at Fem Shoots. And then April, talk to us a little bit about why you went to Fem Shoots. And then we'll just kind of keep going on social media and branding from there. Um, so I started doing Fem Shoots. Kate started first, but the idea was- well, April started first. Okay. Of <laughs> Texas director, Kate started first. I don't know all of your reasons, but for me, it was that I knew that we needed to expand from just using Facebook to using other social media. Facebook is Kate's and our is Kate's and my comfort zone. And um, our photos taken with our phone, uh, <laughs> you know, selfie mode was not gonna work on Instagram or on TikTok or Pinterest, which were the three additional social medias that we were going on to. And so I was like, okay, I'll do this for like two or three months. We'll get a whole bunch of pictures because you change your outfit several times and that'll be great. And I'll do it once a quarter going forward. And then I had a lot of fun. Um, My kids are like, mom, you've never had this many photos of you ever (laughs) in your life Uh, because I'm not super comfortable in front of the camera. And it was um, an effort actually to help me feel more comfortable with the skin I'm in right now, um, as far as why I kept doing it instead of sticking with my original plan of once a quarter, (laughs) Um, so that we could brand Texas Director on our social medias and talk about what is important to us. Well, uh, first of all, before I share my why behind doing that, I just want to thank you so much for having me on today. I'm excited that I get the opportunity to chat with you all a little bit about branding and our companies and how we're able to continue to serve the communities that we serve 
serve. So I'll say the reason behind me wanting to join the photography subscription is because as we have this conversation about branding, that was really the impetus behind my decision in that, because I know that part of building a successful company is building a brand that people can trust, building a brand that people recognize, that they find to be relatable. And at the same time, it comes with a sense of professionalism and competence that they're still evaluating you by. So they want to know you, they want to like you, but they also want to know that you're good at what you do. And I found that having a really solid social media presence that could then also be coupled with really high quality professional photographs was something that was going to help build my brand and make it a little bit more recognizable and something that the people who were following our pages would be like, oh, hey, I never thought of it like that. Or, oh, I didn't know you offered that service. And so this is one more way for us to get our message out and do it in a way that looks really polished. Such a great point, April. And so the one great thing, and, and Carrie mentioned that it's um, that we had several photo or several outfit changes during the day. And one thing that I really like about that is that means that, you know, you come out of one location with, I think I mentioned, you know, hundreds of photos. <laughs> so you can use them in all different kinds of ways. And most of the time, they're not necessarily, um, I'm going to go with dated. So in other words, unless they were seasonal, uh, we are uh, recording this episode in December. So there's always that opportunity for some seasonal work or seasonal components. But uh, unless you do something drastic, <laughs> um, you know, they're going to be something that you can use for a while. And so in addition to branding, one of the things that's really nice about this photography piece is that it means that it's putting your face with your brand, not um, clip art or stock photos. And that's what we had been doing. And we still unfortunately use more of that than we probably want to. But part of that's because our industry, most of our clients are not our age. So most of our clients are um, uh, <laughs> younger than we are. Uh, they are the age we are when we started. Um, in this industry. So we still work on that a little bit. But, you know, when we go back and we start thinking of branding, we start thinking about logos, right? So uh, a few weeks ago, we talked about some of those distinct logos. And, you know, Carrie and I have continued to see in just the last few weeks, logos being thrown out there, branding continuing to be popped up. And one of the logos that popped up um, in our discussion um, in prepping for today's call was Costco. And <laughs> just the color combination, and again, it's a color combination we see everywhere. Mm -hmm. Carrie, let's talk a little bit about the Costco logo. Okay, so the Costco logo is technically three colors. Um, but when you look at the sign, you might be like, what do you mean, Carrie? I see two colors. Um, but it's red on the top because that gets your attention and then blue underneath for the contrast, and it's all on white. Imagine how much less effective the Costco logo would be if it was on a pink background, or if it was on a lime green background, or teal, you know, any other color combination. Um, some of the Costco cards are a black card, and it's not as recognizable a logo on the black cards as it is on the white cards or on their sign. So we've got to have some contrast. <laughs> we've got to have something that arrests the eye. And I think that April may have a little bit of a story about Costco. <laughs> 
<laughs> I do, I do. So uh, I'm definitely a black card member myself, <laughs> but I also have written an article that, or have written an article that had appeared in a Costco magazine. So if you all get those monthly magazines because you're a Costco member, about a year and a half ago, uh, one of my articles was featured in there as a business article. And it was, guess what? All about branding. And so I do start off the article basically just talking about how important it is that your brand is unique, focused, and recognizable, that you have a brand that consumers recognize. They know what you do. They know how you serve them. They trust you. And so part of being able to accomplish those three goals is by this five-step process, essentially, that I've outlined. And step one is exactly what you were just talking about, Carrie. It is being consistent. So from fonts to color palettes to messaging, being coherent and dependable, uh, not having logos, slogans, and taglines that are constantly changing because consumers eventually will lose faith in your brand and you put yourself at risk of being perceived as unstable or even unprofessional if you're constantly switching things up. Yeah, I mean, that reminds me of New Coke back in, I guess it was the 90s or the 80s. So Coca-Cola was like, we need to mix things up. So we're going to have New Coke. And people were like, mm, this tastes like Pepsi. I don't want to drink this. <laughs> and so they were changing things up to try to stay fresh. And they ended up alienating a lot of their customers. Well, we can almost all think back to some of the largest brand names that we recognize their logos and think of when they have a logo revamp. For one that stands out to me is Subway. When Subway redid their logo several years ago, it really isn't that significantly different. They stuck with similar colors. They kept a similar design. They really just updated the font within the logo. And it was still such a big deal, but it was the smallest change. And what that did is generated a lot of positive buzz for the company. It became a marketing tool. It became a promotional opportunity because they were still consistent. Now, if they completely flipped it, if they changed their name, their fonts, their colors, and everything was brand new, that is when people are starting, they might have that feel of, eh, maybe I'm over it. I liked old school Subway. I'm not up to what you all are doing. The products could all stay the same, but now it is how people perceive your brand that has greatly changed. So when you make these small changes, Walmart, all also, they had small updates to their logo over the years. Um, American Airlines, Southwest Airlines, if we start to think of all these big companies and how minuscule those changes were every time there was a logo change, mostly to the font is what we see. And those are okay. Uh, and they're expected because you do want to continue to remain uh, a company that feels like you're part of the current times. And so if you can just keep the heart of what you do the same and make minor improvements along the way, you'll see more success than if you're constantly flipping it. Uh, one example of that with small businesses, small businesses will frequently change their Facebook page names. They're like, oh, what if we should call ourselves this? What if we call ourselves this? When you start to do that, you do put yourself at risk of losing followers because they forget what you do or they never quite understood it to begin with. Well, I, you know, we used to do that. Okay, I'm gonna date myself with the, with the uh, yellow pages, right? Or anytime you're in a list, right? You, you, you give yourself an A, right? Mm -hmm. To put yourself up at the top. And uh, the other thing that just because we're in Austin, you know, National Instruments actually officially changed their name to NI. 
Mm-hmm. You know, we, we talked, you know, we've always called them NI, you know, locally for a long time. And even per industry wise, they were NI because national instruments was so long really to put on apparel. So once we started having apparel and everybody put logos and names on clothing, um, that's actually when they started really just putting NI on all of their clothing. And so they were kind of forced to change their name and then officially and then they did a rebranding I think at like 25 years or something they did a big rebrand um to NI so yeah so we do see that in companies and sometimes they do that rebrand when they totally change focus you know IBM no longer um you know makes meat slicers um (laughs) so you know (laughs) there's a good thing that sometimes rebranding is good Some of those larger companies have a little bit more freedom and the luxury of being able to do that once they are really well known. I always like to think of Sears for that. When Sears stopped selling houses that you put together yourself, essentially, like that was a change in their approach to what they sold and what they offered to consumers. Uh, But it was welcomed and it was successful for a period of time. I know Sears is no longer really what we're looking to for success in a company anymore, but there are those opportunities of when you are that well-known, when you are a national or international brand, you have a little bit more flexibility in how you portray yourself because people are so well aware about what you do. Again, we generate more publicity by making some of those changes. But when you are small, you're just starting out, you don't really have that flexibility because there's already a little bit of ambiguity around, so who do you serve? What do you do? How do you do it? How do I work with you? Do I want to work with you? Can I afford to work with you? Those are some questions that people will have when you're first starting out. Right. Absolutely. So, you know, making sure we're consistent. Um, and, you know, this is important for child care centers, especially as you're coming into a new area. If you're opening a second location, use that brand recognition for good. <laughs> okay. So what was the second step? Sure. The second one is to be social. So we want you to maximize your presence on free marketing channels, That is the social media that we love. So I heard the ones you guys were listing. I'll say the top four right now, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, And I know there's a lot of buzz around Twitter right now, and there will continue to be so. What I like to encourage people to do, though, is you do not have to create brand new content. You do not have to create original content for every single one of those channels. Those four are so interchangeable. You can come up with one copy. Copy is what we call the text that goes with an image. So you draft copy, you create an image, and then you schedule it across all four channels. Now, there are, of course, additional channels like TikTok. Everybody's talking about TikTok. That is going to require additional unique content. Pinterest that I heard you talk about earlier oftentimes is going to require additional unique content because those tend to be resources more so than just a, ta-da, here I am, DM me if you have a question, Like, which is essentially what those other four are trying to capitalize on. But we want you to be social and make sure that on all four of those social pages that I just listed, you create a business page for each one of them. So we are not co-mingling your personal pages with your business pages, especially in the childcare industry. We do not want to see a promotion for childcare. And then the very next post is you having drinks with your girlfriends at a happy hour. It doesn't look professionally. You've got to keep them separate. Uh, and at the same time on those professional pages, know that you have a different goal than you do with your personal. With your personal, we tend to hold our cards tight. We only accept requests from people we know. We're going to put things like pictures 
pictures of our children, of our vacations, of us in bathing suits, of us drinking. Those pictures go on personal pages. On our business pages, you do not hold that tight to the chest. You connect with everybody, especially on LinkedIn. You should get to thousands of connections on LinkedIn with complete strangers. And it is okay. You do not need to worry about your privacy on these channels because when you are a business owner, your goal is to cast a wide net and to get as many people to know about who you are, where you are, and what you do as possible. And that's what you can do with these social media channels all for free. Absolutely. Well, free is definitely something that in childcare we like. <laughs> uh, we are often looking for ways to uh, market on a shoestring. And I know you talked about um, a variety of socials. And one of the things I just want to remind um, our listeners to is to go back and listen to our episodes about trying to identify uh, what socials um, your clients are on, uh, depending on the age of your demographic. So make sure that you know what age your parents are and what socials your parents and uh, your community are on because not every child care center has the same age demographics. And so if you have a lot of younger uh, parents that come to your program, you might need to use different, um, different yeah. socials <laughs> to get the bang for your buck uh, that you're looking for. So you may only have time and bandwidth for one social because it may be a social that requires a little more time. <laughs> well, but I think one of the things that you said is, you know, check with your parents because we might make the assumption mm -hmm. that, okay, I've got a lot of people in their early twenties who are paying for my services. So I bet they're all on TikTok. Well, they may not be, they might be like, TikTok is, is weird. And no, thank you. Um, uh, we are, um, we're Twitter people or we're, you know, whichever of the other socials, um, don't make the assumption. Um, the reason we're on TikTok is because I find TikTok fun, uh, but that it's not necessarily because of our demographic research. Our demographic research shows that most of our clients are on Facebook and Instagram, um, and they don't use LinkedIn as much as they should. Uh, can I also add to that? The idea of being on one of these social pages is great. It's your first step. You've got to do it. But what becomes more important as a business owner is posting regularly. Just because you exist does not help you. You have to calendar these social posts. So for example, if you're not paying somebody to take care of this for you, my recommendations would be to put on your calendar at least once a week, preferably two to three times a week. So for example, every Wednesday morning at 10 a.m., you are going to make an original post. And then throughout the week, you want from your business page to be liking, sharing, interacting with, commenting with other people's posts. Because every time you do that, you're still going to be on the homepage of the people who are following you is saying, look what the activity that this person or this company page was doing. But we want you to be posting original content because when people do visit your page, they're going to see how long has that page been in existence and what are the types of things that they talk about. And so if they can't figure that out with a quick scroll, immediately you're going to start to possibly lose credibility because it doesn't look like you know what you're doing. Yep. And when she's saying post, you know, like, and comment on other people's things, she's not saying keep the social open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Again, put a 10 minute, you know, timer on your phone and go in and like, and comment for 10 minutes, and then you can close the social. But if you do that, 
you know, Monday at two o'clock and Tuesday at this time and Wednesday at this time, you're doing it for 10 minutes a day each day to keep yourself um, relevant, plugged in and connected to your followers. You don't have to do it. You don't keep it open all day. Please don't. <laughs> you have children to watch, right? Like, yeah. and staff to manage and, and well, you know, payroll. I'm just saying, you know, let's be, we got payroll to do. So, yeah. all right. So step number, are we at three or four? Number three. Number three. Right. Okay. So I think this one is really important for our small businesses, which I'm just going to throw some numbers out there. Did y'all know that we currently have almost 32 million small businesses in America? And that accounts for 99.9% of all U.S. businesses total, almost wow. 100%. So that 0.1 is those large corporations, but they do not really contribute to the overall number of businesses in America as much as these small businesses do. So it's really important as small businesses that we recognize what strategies work best for us. And it's not the same thing as those large corporations. Like we were talking about, we can't use the same strategies Nike uses. They, they just have a significantly greater following, recognizable brand, all of the things that small businesses are striving for, but not aren't quite there yet. So are you saying childcare centers can't have spokespeople who are NBA (laughs) professionals? Uh (laughs) You mean we can't just have a logo? We can't just make a swoosh? And everybody knows what that means? Not (laughs) quite, but I think that anything is possible. (laughs) We can help get you there. And so my third step actually is focusing on the small community that you're around. I call it the be local step. So in this step, we want you to, as much as your budget will allow or your time will allow, because remember, people bring a lot to the table. It is your time, your talent, or your treasures. And so from those three buckets, however you can distribute them to your local community. So let me give you a few examples. If you can sponsor school events, if you can attend networking meetups, if you can join local business organizations, if you can contribute a gift certificate of sorts, maybe for like a a mother's night out event as part of a donation for a raffle. So whatever you can give back to your community, what that will end up doing for you is building a very strong local foundation and your community will help build your brand through referrals, reviews, and ambassadorship. And so this is a way to essentially have a bunch of little champions around you who like you as a person, who like the services you offer. And anytime somebody new moves to town or anytime somebody's like, hey, I'm really looking for this. I'm not sure where to go you've got dozens of people around you who are throwing your name out there. And so being local is a really great way to help build that brand recognition somewhere. You got to start somewhere. So start local and then eventually you can start expanding out. Absolutely. And with childcare, you know, most of the time you guys are, uh, we are a destination kind of business. So people come to us um, either because of what we're offering or because we are close to where they live or close to where they work. So uh, get involved in where you are. Absolutely. We agree hundred percent. All right, Carrie, are we moving on to step four? I think so. I mean, the only other thing I would say is, you know, I like it when our guests echo what we've said in other episodes and we've been saying partner with your local elementary schools, partner with, you know, local businesses. What can you do? Co-sponsor the, we're, we're big fans of co-sponsoring the soccer team because three-year-olds playing soccer is the cutest thing in the world. (laughs) Um, So 
Thank and I'm for... all about the t-shirt. So April, if yeah. you ever get a chance to go listen to our t-shirt episode, you may be like, okay, I get it. Kate likes t-shirts because I'm all about, you know, little kids wearing, you know, billboards with your website or your phone number and, you know, kids wear them everywhere. They don't take them off. <laughs> and, you know, they don't just wear them to soccer practice. And, you know, I think about people who go to concerts who, you know, after, you know, 35, 40 years still have the same t-shirt. Um, you know, kids do the same thing. Adults do the same thing. So if you give your staff t-shirts and you have really cool t-shirts for your events. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I totally agree with you. And I feel like that having that strong community foundation, especially when you're dealing with people's children is so critical because they want to know you. They want to know your heart. They want to know that they can trust you with their babies. And one of the best ways to do that is to put yourself in front of the community, let them see you for your authentic self working and operating in the community that they're going to be living in and that they're going to be sending their babies to. But I think that'll just help build that trust so much quicker uh, when they see you and they like you. And then you know what those people do? Not only do they wear their t-shirts, but then they tag you in Facebook posts. And what do you know? We're full circle right back to social media again, because they're in all those community groups on all the HOA pages and everybody's going to be raving about you if you're an awesome company and if you're a good person. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. So what was that fourth step? Fourth step is to be a resource. So we want you to be perceived as the expert in your field. Consumers are far more likely to trust your brand for paid experiences if you've been able to prove to them that you know what you're talking about through free branded content. So for examples, if you can write blogs, newsletters, videos, eBooks, articles, you're developing guidebooks, for example. Maybe you have one for different stages of childhood. Maybe you have a guidebook on how to handle temperature tantrums. Maybe you have another guidebook on how to start to sleep through the night with an infant. Uh, how, if you have mothers who are having trouble breastfeeding, you create guidebooks for that. So come up with ways to have small, digestible, bite-sized content in a way that people, your consumers are willing to engage with. And by continuously becoming this free branded resource as an expert, you are now building a potential pipeline of clientele, especially if you start young, because some of these but people might be thinking, well, we only really like to deal with school age children, for example. We don't do a lot of infants. Well, guess what? If you build that pipeline while they're an infant, while they're a toddler, by the time they're ready to come to you, their parents know you and they like you. Um, and so there are ways for you to continue to use your expertise in ways that will bring people to you, uh, whether that is right now or years down the road. Absolutely. Well, April, thank you so much for that tidbit because one of the things that I'm not sure if it's still on, we just, we just recently launched our, our, a new website. So I'm not sure if it's still up there, but it has been in the past. And if not, we'll make sure we have it out in a newsletter recent, uh, coming out, um, is a white label, um, product that we've had available for folks to use, which is how to pick the best childcare center. Um, and it's something that we have allowed childcare centers who've worked with us to white label. So in other words, put their logos on for them to use for parents so the parents can choose the best childcare center for them because not every childcare center offers the best for that family because depending on what the family's personal goals are out of childcare, are they looking for fun, nature, play, science? Um, are they looking for academics and rigor? Are they looking for half day programs, full day, pro you know, 
all of the different bits and pieces. So yeah, so great. I love it. And there are a lot of, um, Carrie, talk a little bit about white label because I just used that term and I am sure there are people who have no idea what I'm talking about and I know it exists exactly like what April's talking about. I know that there's a lot of that uh, readily available on social media. And because I now said it, it's probably going to appear on lots of people's social media <laughs> feeds because yeah, it um, heard those so words on your computer or your phone. <laughs> white label is one term. The other term is um, uh, PLR, private label rights. Um, and there's actually less for parents than you would expect, considering parenting is one of the biggest like coaching niche, niche, niche groups, sale, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, things that people sell coaching and stuff on, you would think there's a lot of it out there. Um, but if, if our directors want it, you know, Kate and I write books, we could write them and sell you the PLR rights. Um, so if you like that idea, let us know. But basically what it is, is you take generic content that someone else has created, usually written, and you tweak it to meet your specific clientele's needs and rewrite the parts so that it sounds like your voice. Um, so you may have to change a little bit or a lot to make it sound like you and your program. And then you just publish it. Um, again, you can publish it on the socials. You can make it into actual physical books. You can make it into eBooks, Kindle books, things like that. Um, again, I feel very comfortable saying we can help you do that. If you want to do that, um, maybe we should write some blog posts on how to do that. And, you know, it sets you up as the authority. You can't be an authority without the word author. So you need to write content. And if you're a person who's like, uh-uh, I was a C English student. I barely made it out of high school. I'm not going to write books. I'm not going to write articles. I'm not going to do that. PLR is a great way for you to dip your toe in and, and feel more comfortable. Um, I own a ridiculous amount of PLR, even though I write books, because sometimes you have the blank page quandary. You look at a blank page and you're like, I know I want to write something today. What do I want to write? And uh, <laughs> so having the PLR gives me a place to start when I'm writing and Again, you can be resourceful, be a resource for your community without writing the stuff yourself. You can just go, here's an article from Child Magazine or whatever, but it has much more impact on growing your business if you are the author. So start with PLR and go from there if you're nervous. <laughs> and real quick, I'm just going to do a plug because I kind of have this suspicion that if this is something that you're interested in doing, hiring somebody like April Willis Consulting is probably something that you can do because I do know that April does a small business coaching. And a lot of times um, I'm a huge huge fan of coaching uh, for all kinds of specifics. I actually was teasing Carrie that we should bring on my coaches um, over the last 18 months. I've had 12. So, um, <laughs> and literally every aspect of my life. So there is nothing you can have happen in your world that I haven't had a coach. Wow. Yep. Nope. Nothing. That, <laughs> like, I don't think anything can happen in your life that I haven't had a coach in the last 18 months. And so, you know, it really is wonderful so that somebody else can help you through 
it. Um, Carrie even has had, I think, a couple of different writing coaches, depending on what type of where she was in the process. So if, you know, if you're listening today and this is something that you're wanting, you know, um, listen, you know, look in the, look in the, the, the notes on the, the podcast related to get, getting April's contact information, reach out to us. We would be happy to help you find somebody who will help you. Maybe you're great with ideas, but you're not sure that you're polished enough. Maybe you're great at getting started, but you're not confident enough to pressing the submit button. Whatever that might be, that might be somebody, that might be the perfect time for a writing coach, or maybe you need to get that, get started. And maybe that's more of working with um, April Willis Consulting and that type of a coach and a business coach. But, you know, let us know and um, we'll definitely direct you because we definitely are not, uh, there are things we don't coach. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously if I've got a higher 12 in a year, I do not feel like I can coach everything. So with that, bring us down to number five. What is Yes. Step number five, April. You got it. So everything we've talked about so far has been around branding, right? We've started by talking about being consistent with your fonts, your color palettes, your messaging, being social. Every single one of the social posts you create should have your brand logo, website, something recognizable on there, being local because we are plugging your brand all across your local community, being a resource with free branded content. And number five, we are going to reward loyalty through a brand branded loyalty program. And this will encourage repeat business referrals and spinoff potential. So if you have rewards that are enticing enough, your clientele base will quickly snowball because you have now put your brand on a card, on a gift card, on a keychain. You're somehow people are hearing about you, getting the word out, and that logo is going with it. And so you're going to continue to build your brand that way. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So, you know, we really talk about that a lot, April. And you know what we came down to? And this is going to sound ridiculous. Um, but, you know, um, we like hundred dollar bills. Yeah. Uh, so our our best uh, incentive that has really worked for our clients in the last 20 years. So we've been doing this for a long time. We've talked a lot about raving fans and brand loyalty programs. And we have tried everything. And we do have clients who've had other things work. But the most consistent, and it's not even a $100 credit, it is seriously having that $100 bill in their hand <laughs> and getting the referral and handing somebody $100 in cold hard cash. So <laughs> um, I'd love to hear any other um, you know, success ideas that some of your small businesses maybe have had. Um, I know Carrie's had some clients with some other ideas, but we often come back to cold hard cash. Yeah, I love it. And I, whatever that looks like for you. So it is, I love to do cash too, uh, but I actually don't do the actual cash. I do Amazon gift cards or all Zelle payment, all Venmo payment, whatever is easiest because I actually work with clients all across the country. So I don't have the luxury of seeing them face-to-face and handing them a hundred dollar bill, but the, the sentiment is the same. And so those are obviously some of the most effective ways is just give people money back. If you are providing a service like coaching, for example, or child 
childcare, you can actually deduct part of their bill. Guess what? Your bill is going to be cut in half this month. Your whatever is going to be reduced by this much. And so whatever you're working with, you can take money off people's bill. You can also reward the sense of urgency behind getting those referrals. So for example, I have a program in which I say, if you can send me three referrals in the next 48 hours, you will be put into a drawing for another Amazon gift card this month. Every single month we have a drawing, but you have 48 hours from the time I have my intro call with them to get those names to me. After that, they're no longer in the monthly drawing, but they're always eligible to receive, I do $150 referral bonus for everybody they send my way that signs a contract. Um, and then I also have just launched a new app or it's about to become public. I think I have my final meeting with the developers this week, there's an app called Revitize, and they white label this app for me. It's going to have only my logo, not their logo on it at all. And it is an actual referral generator, processor, uh, monitor. It does all of it, and it is only for referrals. So it does nothing else but monitor my referrals. It has a script that basically will allow anybody that I say download my app, it'll connect it or sync it with their contacts. They hit push a button to refer to one of their contacts that they think could use my services. And the entire process is logged in this app. And whenever they hit their referrals, like the person signed a contract, I push a button, they get money direct deposited into their account. So there are apps like this as well that exist that could help you monitor that referral program for you. Wow, that sounds like that feature alone could be definitely worth it in the childcare industry, because that is definitely something that sounds like it could be easy for families and easy easy for the child care center, which is part of why cold hard cash, um, in my experience, worked better than even having to remember to give people 50% off their child care bill because yeah. it wasn't it wasn't really working for the child care center to remember to take the 50% off. And it wasn't really working for the families because families were on auto pay. And so the remembering or yeah, even the, that wasn't, there wasn't the impact. Right. Yeah. Where handing them a hundred bucks, they were like, woohoo, I got a hundred, you know, like it was almost like free money, even though 50% off their tuition was a whole lot more money. <laughs> it was, you know, we no longer write checks. You know, people weren't physically writing that check every month because it was all auto pay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So I really hope that the five tips that we talked about today will help leverage your brand potential because we know that that is a key strategy in maximizing business success. And so with distinctive branding, your company will be able to create this undeniable presence in the business community. And I hope that's something that we were able to talk through today. So the people listening feel a little bit more confident in doing and maybe have a little bit more of a comprehensive or robust strategy around branding. Absolutely. April, thank you so much for taking the time and joining us today. Um, everybody look at today's show, show notes to go to uh, Dr. April Willis Consulting and um, definitely look at her resources. She's also got some awesome resources on there for small business grants, understanding how grants work for nonprofits. And uh, we just think that we'll probably have April back and do some grant writing tips in the future. And uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure, Kate and Carrie. I so appreciate it. All right. We'll see you around. Thank you for listening to Child Care Conversations with Kate and Carrie. Want to learn more? Check out our website at texasdirector.org. And if you've learned anything today, leave us a comment below and share the show.